0: Right, Philippians chapter four, in verse four. So glad to have you all here, and those that may be watching. We're glad to have you as well. And uh, and I want to begin a, a, just a short series, probably tonight, and board willing next Wednesday night on this particular topic. But but, uh, uh, but let, let me uh, let me start off by saying, you know, I wished. Um, that I could say with uh, all sincerity, that since I've been saved, I have never worried about one thing. I wish that I could say that, or or, nor have I ever had a a care in my life that caused me to have stress. I wished I could do that. Is there anybody here like that, that you've never had a worry or a care since you've been saved? I want you to sign my Bible, all right? And, because man, that needs to go down in the record book. But here's the thing uh, about what we're gonna be looking at tonight, I, I, wanna, I wanna teach you tonight about, give you some instruction from the Word of God about winning over worry, winning over worry. If you'll be honest, now how many of you all are, I don't wanna call you a worry wart, but that's kind of the word that was used when I was a boy, they would say all oh, that, they're just a worry wart, they worry about everything anybody here like that if you want to be honest about that raise your hand all right well good i i appreciate that oh there's one okay thank you thank you for that sister and uh but i I appreciate your honesty and i i do and uh but you know here's the thing usually you know you know what made me worry when i was a boy when i didn't have my homework done (laughs) and i had to face the music the next day yeah yes brother i'm old enough we still had homework and we had books and uh, i i remember brother larry when i went to uh, i was teaching in the high school for a time i was teaching uh emt basic they had a fire academy in the high school back there in uh, montgomery county and uh, for the junior year they went through fire academy these high school students and uh, then i got them the last five months of their senior year And they had to do EMS, they had to become an EMT. And so I I taught that. And so I used some words that they were not accustomed to. And uh, it was really surprising what was not being taught in the high school. And uh, it, was, it was kind of uh, like culture shock for me, because like I said to him, I said, well, I said, I want you to look this up. I said, where do y'all keep your dictionaries? And they just looked at me like, like I just came from a different planet, brother, and or from a different time warp, time zone. And they said, uh, they said, brother Ed, we don't have dictionaries. And I said, you don't have. They said, we we don't even have any books. We just do all this stuff. And I said, well, I said, well, how many of y'all have a phone? Of course, everybody's hand went up. They all had cell phones. I said, well, you know what? Download a dictionary on your cell phone right now. They're free. And so that's what they did, and I made them look things up. So, so when I was in school, what made me worry was when uh, I didn't have my homework or when my parents had given me a job to do and I didn't get it done. Did that ever make you worry? A lot of times, the, the things that we worry about, we have a direct impact on. Usually it's when I, I haven't done something, or the opposite is when I did something I shouldn't have done. That would cause me to worry. But the worry I wanna talk about tonight is usually about the things over which we have no control. And those are the things that we worry about oftentimes. And so let's begin reading here in Philippians 4. I wanna give you something about how to to win the battle with worry, okay? So let's look at this. Look at verse four of chapter four. Paul here is writing and uh, and says re, he says rejoice in the lord always and again i say rejoice let your moderation be known unto all men the lord is at hand be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto god and the peace of god which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received, and heard, and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. You know, for uh, some authors and some writers, you know, when they think about the book of Philippians, they refer to it as being the mental health book of the Bible. Did you know that? Some 10 times in this book alone, the word mind is used and uh, and there's also a word that's missing from the book of philippians anybody know what that word is the word that's missing from the book of philippians anybody know it's the word sin it's not mentioned one time in this book and uh, and the church at philippi uh was very near and dear to the apostle paul look back in chapter one with me notice what he says and look in verse two grace be unto you and peace from god our father and from the lord jesus christ now watch i thank my god upon every remembrance of you always in every in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy i mean uh, they were on his heart and they were on his mind and they were in his prayers. And uh, the church at Philippi was very near and dear and we know that for, for some reasons they just seemed to hit it off and their hearts were knit together and so the counsel that he's going to give them is going to be personal and, and it's going to be powerful and profitable to them in the fact that it does work. And the Lord, well, we're allowed to sort of look over Paul's shoulder here and see uh, some of his counsel about, uh, about how to deal with this problem. Because, you know, that word mind is used, I said some 10 times in this book, but you know, that's really where the battlefield is. It's right here between our ears. It's in our minds is where the battle oftentimes take place. Now, I think it was Irma Bombeck. How many of y'all know who Irma Bombeck is? I bet you most of the ladies know, all right? Irma Bombbeck used to have some, I guess in her day, she was kind of like the Ann Landers of clever sayings. Ann Lander dealt with relationships or problems. Irma Bombeck kind of had like household fixes and uh, you would call them today, they call them hacks. What can I do to get over this? How can I fix this or whatever? Well, Irma Bombeck in her day, I believe, is the one that's accredited with this. She said, worry, and worrying is a lot like sitting in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't take you anywhere. And, uh, and you know, and the only thing that worrying changes is, uh, is your health. That's all that worrying does. It doesn't change the circumstance. It doesn't change the situation. It doesn't change the characters that are involved. It only changes your health, and it's not for the better. It's for the worse. Stress, we know, lowers your resistance to infections, and uh, and so. We know, that's, uh, we know that can be a problem, all right? And you know, and when we get to be our age, and there's a lot of things. Man, I, I, there have been several phone calls that have come, and there's always somebody wanting to sell you something on the phone. And uh, there was a guy that said, you know, that he called the other day and said, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, he said something about he was with Google. That's one of the search engines, you know, online. And, uh, and he said, yeah, you're, you're, the, the church is not really listed and blah, blah, blah. i listened to all this stuff. And I said, uh, and his name, he gave me his name and I called his name. And I said, you know, I said, I don't really know you. And I said, you know, there's so many scams out there today. somebody's always looking to make a dollar off of you. And I said, it's not personal. I said, but it sounds like what you're telling me is really nice. I said, if you'll just put that in the package, since you have my address and you got the church phone number. I said, why don't you just mail that to me and I'll look it over. And if it looks like a good deal, I'll get back with you. And he laughed and he said, okay, pastor. (laughs) Uh, yeah, you know, because there's always somebody, you know, and and uh, my wife gets things on the phone, you know, and I get things that come on my phone or an email or a text that, said, uh-oh, your your card has expired, uh, uh-oh, your account has been locked, and uh, you need to check on this or whatever, and and uh, and something with the post office, you got to get on here, do this and do this and you all that stuff and and we want to just charge you a dollar to fix it so here you can put your credit card in here oh yeah yeah I mean it's out there all the time and so you know what happens it actually can create an atmosphere of worry for people our age you know when the midterm elections come there's going to be all kinds of stuff do you remember all the problems about the lockbox do you remember hearing that term the lockbox I think it was, uh, oh, I can't remember his name. He's the guy that says he claimed he discovered the internet. Uh, he, you know, he uh, Al Gore from Carthage, Tennessee, and uh, you know, and and putting all this stuff out there about the lockbox and how how the government's going to take your Social Security and they're going to reduce these things. It's all fear-driven. To produce something at the ballot box, and so beloved, you got to have your blinders on. And as we said, you know, before services started, things are seldom as they are first reported, and often as they are not, often as they first appear. And so, uh, and so, you got to do a little more digging, do a little more research. But here in this passage, worry can be something. That just adds uh, you know gray to your scalp now you know your hair either turns gray or turns loose and in my case it did both okay it turned loose and uh, and turned gray and so what is what is Paul's remedy that he has given to us here and I want you to see it uh, first of all, tonight I, it's in verse 4. Notice what it says it says, Rejoice in the Lord, always, and again I say, Rejoice. Now, that word rejoice simply means this it means to be calmly happy and full of gladness. And for Paul, you know, you think about all the things that he went through. In 2 Corinthians 11, it talks about, you know, I spent a day and a night in the deep. Thrice I was beaten with rods. I was in perils of robber and nakedness and perils of cold and hunger. And You know, if I would have gone through all that, I might have asked myself, you know, am I really in the will of God? <laughs> and, uh, and, but Paul doesn't do that. We know that he went shipwrecked and we know that he was beaten in different places and so forth, Well, what was it that helped him with his sanity? if you will. And his mind, it was the fact that he kept that mind focused on the Lord. It is the thing that helped him. In Paul's mind, the Lord is the answer to every situation and every circumstance. All of life's problems can be met in the Lord. When you think about it, notice what it says, rejoice In the Lord. What what does the psalmist say? What does God inhabit? Do you remember what the psalmist said? It says that He inhabits our praises. So that when you and I are praising the Lord and find something to be grateful for, find something to be thankful for in the midst of your circumstances, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. I mean, I was going down the road once and it was over Thanksgiving and I was on deputation. Debbie was back in Louisiana and I was out on the road trying to raise support so we could get to the field. And, uh, and here it is, Thanksgiving, and I'm being invited to a basically to a stranger's house. And, uh, and we're going to go to his parents' house, It's another preacher, and we're going to go to his parents' house in Kentucky. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm following them. And, and uh, Lord, I said, well, here I am, Lord, another Thanksgiving. I'm away from my family and holiday. And man, you know, the Lord just kind of showed up there in the car and said, well, son, couldn't you find some reason to thank me? Aren't you at least grateful that you're going to go get to have a meal? Aren't you grateful that I saved you? And, uh, and I began to think on those things. And man, I mean, God just showed up there in my, in my discouragement and encouraged me and helped me along the way. And man, I was raising my hand. I was shouting her out in the car. And the kids were up in there. The, the kids that belonged to the preacher that was ahead of me, they thought I was waving at them. And they're waving back at me out of the back seat and all. I mean, and we just had a great time up there. But it was all having to do with my outlook. Outlook, beloved, has so much to do with the outcome that you and I are facing. Your outlook, your mental disposition and rejoicing in the Lord, finding something to be grateful for in the midst of your trial or circumstance is the answer. Because you know what? In an an atmosphere of rejoicing, discord can't stay. In an atmosphere of rejoicing, distressing thoughts are overcome. And so rather than just being burdened down with worry upon worry upon worry, you wind up losing your sleep over it sometimes. I, I confess that sometimes when on a Sunday night, for me, when I, I get ready to lay my head down, I have a hard time unwinding on a Sunday night. I'll probably have a hard time a little bit unwinding tonight after I've preached and I've been engaged and, and so forth. And my brain doesn't want to shut down, and I have to tell myself, now you're not going to think about that. Because you're always, for a preacher, you know, you're always examining and re-examining and rehearsing what you said, and then you ask yourself, well, now, why did you say that? Why didn't you say this? You should have said that. Have you ever done that after you've had a conversation? Why didn't I say that? I don't know why I didn't say that then. Why am I thinking of that now? You know, those kind of things. And so, you you, you know, uh, Brother Roger used to say a lot of times he talked to himself. You know why he did that? He said because it's the only intelligent conversation he ever has during the day. (laughs) When he talks to himself. And so I talk to myself sometimes when I lay down, I put pillow my head, and I say, now, you're not going to think about that. You're not going to do that. You can't do nothing while I'm laying down horizontal. You can't do anything about it. And so why just let that go? And, uh, and someday then I just begin, I was thanking for what happened during the day. I thank, thank him for my wife, and I thank him for a place to stay and a place to serve i thank you for a people to feed and 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 so many things that you and i we can learn to rejoice. See, do you remember when Paul was in the bottom of that ship? There in Acts 27? I mean it got so bad. Now these were seasoned sailors. They weren't novices, brother, out there on the water and the water is a dangerous place, isn't it, brother? There's two sounds i like to hear when i go fishing. One is when i crank the boat the first time, oh, 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 it starts up. And sister, the second time is when I crank it when I'm ready to leave and I like to hear that motor start. And, uh, and so the water is a dangerous place. So here these sailors were, they were up there and what were they doing? Luke says that they began to throw the tackle overboard. The tackle is the equipment uh, that you use to make repairs. If that ship was going to be damaged in the storm, they were actually throwing away the things that they were going to need. What were they trying to do? They were trying to lighten the ship. They thought that they, you know, that keep it from being capsizing or whatever. It's kind of a panic mood. It's so it's a move of the last resort. And now here comes Paul. He comes out of the bottom of the ship and he says, he says, Hey, be of good cheer. I believe God. Can you can you imagine? I mean, like. Hey, everything's going to be okay, boys. Let's have something to eat, you know. And 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 they're going to eat. He said, man, we're going to lose the ship, but everybody here is going to be okay. I mean, you know, they probably looked and said, man, Paul, you're a little touched in the head. He said, no, man. He said, I believe God. His angel told me tonight. What was he doing? While they were panicking, he was down there praying. And so, beloved, it's how Paul got through those things you think about it with me you know uh, when you think about the love of god that we are recipients of when you think about the power of god that he has inexhaustible power you know there's that there's that silly remark that people make could god make a rock so big that even he could you know all those little hypothetical things you know after i got saved i didn't care who adam married I didn't care how many dinosaur bones they found. I was just glad my sins were gone, amen. That's all I was grateful for. I did not have to have the answers to all the questions. And so when you think about the love of God, you think about the goodness of God. I mean, we are a blessed people. You know, tonight we're not meeting, I, I have been in a third world country where they just had dirt on the floor. Uh, when Lord willing, when I go back to New Guinea, there I'm probably gonna be in a place in Panga where the, there's no pavement. There's, there, I mean, there, there's no nothing. It's kunai grass, and they'll have a little makeshift pulpit. There's probably gonna be some grass on the floor, and the men are gonna sit over here, and the women are gonna sit over there, and the babies are gonna be with them, and, and we're gonna sing, and I'm probably not gonna understand any of the words that they're singing or whatever, but man, but I'm gonna be in the house of God with some believers. What a privilege, what an opportunity, something to be grateful for. And, uh, and you think about those things. And so when you think about the wisdom of God, that he has what I need for my situation, and all I need to do is but, but ask. Ask. These are reasons to rejoice. These are reasons why I can have something. And you think about his power and care that he has for us. Does God really care about my situation? Does he really care? You know, sometimes you're tempted to think that he doesn't. And the devil loves to get you like that. That's that roaring line, walking about seeking whom he can what? Devour, right? Walking about, have you, anybody in here ever read Pilgrim's Progress? It's a good book, isn't it? Do you remember when? Do you remember when Pilgrim is making his way and he looks up that hill and there he sees those lions that are right beside the road? And man, it makes him fear and quake a little bit. And as he goes on the journey, he gets up there and man suddenly sees there's a bend in the road that he couldn't see from this place. And there was a bend in the road and those lions were on a chain. And that chain kept him from coming out to the road to get him. It just looked that way. Remember, things are not always as they appear to be. And it makes a difference. How can we not rejoice when we're thinking about the Lord and the blessings that we have as his child? God cares for you. He really does. And and probably if we were to take testimonies, of some things that the Lord has done for you and it would it would uh, it would just amaze you you know uh, I owed a bill one time to a, a Christian college for their uh, for their teaching materials or school materials for our children we had a Christian school at one time and uh, and the, I got called away and uh, I wrote to them and told them the circumstances, and I think we owed about $900. And uh, I went to a small church in Louisiana, and I wrote to them about that and everything, and they said, boy, we're, we're really glad for you, brother. You're in the will of God, but you still owe the $900. And so I prayed about that that morning, and I told the Lord I'd do whatever he wanted me to do. If it was $20 a week or whatever. I would do it until I got it paid. I mean, it's just it's just the way that it was. and. Uh, and so I'm cutting up with Debbie, and we're, we're, which I often do. I, we, I, I pick at her or whatever, and I said, you know, darling, I said, if I had $1,000, then I'd take you on a vacation. We'd go here, we'd go there, and we're, we're just talking. She's like, yeah, right, Buster. You know, that kind of stuff. And so we get in the car and we go to the, we go to the post office. That we, we didn't have a box where we were, but we had a PO box for us at the church in the little town of Crocs Springs, Louisiana. And uh, I get the mail and I hand it to her and, and I'm starting to drive away and, and, uh, and she opens this letter and she said, there's a letter in here from Brother Hardin. And I said, oh, I'll open it up, you know? And so uh, she opens the letter up and man, uh, and, and her face just kinda, she just kinda looked at me and, and she said, uh, there's a check in here for $1,000. And, uh, and I kind of looked her in and, what it, and, and on the letter it said, dear brother, to obey is better than sacrifice. My window was down because I don't think the AC worked in that car. My window was down and I'm shouting out. I said, man, I said, thank God, I praise you Lord. I, I mean, I was having a spell brother right there in town. I just had one of them times what we call it, the can't help it, it's amen when you get them, and I was thanking God for what he had done, and man, I went home, and I wrote that check out to that college for the $900, and I put the other $100 in the offering plate at the, at the church for the tithe, and I mean, man, we, so poor Debbie didn't get to go on vacation, all right, but uh, but we got that bill paid. I mean, God supplied. That's Jehovah Jireh. And I suspect the years that you've been saved, there have been some times when, uh, when the Lord has met a need in your life that nobody else knew about, just nobody but me and God, the college and my wife knew about that need. And the Lord took care of it that day. I mean, well, I'm praying about it. He already had the postman carrying that thing. That's the faithfulness of God. How, how can you, how can you Take a circumstance, really, over which you have no control. And and keep that kind of thought when you're really thinking and focusing on rejoicing in the Lord. Do you remember? I mean, when Peter's eyes were on the Lord, he was focused. And when I say his eyes, I'm talking about his mind. When he stepped out of the boat, where were his eyes? His eyes were upon the Lord. He said, Master, bid me come. And he said, come, and Peter just got out. Because his mind was focused on the Lord, and the wind and the waves did not matter. The circumstances of life did not matter. It's kind of like in World War II. I'll give you this little illustration. We're talking about rejoicing in the Lord all morning. and He repeats it again. I say rejoice. You know, some of that aircraft, those aircraft when uh, when they were flown in World War II. And uh, the the wiring that they had back then was covered, and probably some of you remember this, your ages, some of that wiring was covered with a fabric. It was woven around there. It wasn't made of a plastic or an acrylic like they have today. It just was a fabric that sort of served as insulation on that wire. And when those pilots would go to fly, There in England, sometimes their instruments would be all wacky, you know why? Because overnight some mice would have gotten in behind the instrument panel and gnawed on that fabric as mice like to do, making a nest or whatever, and there were mice in those aircraft. And, uh, And what would they do? How would they compensate for those things? Well, they simply did this one, they would take off. They'd try to take that thing as high as they could. They'd get up there, put their oxygen on, but they knew that those little mice didn't have any oxygen mass down there behind the instrument paddles, and when they got more altitude before they headed out on their trip, on their bombing run, that those mice would have fallen aside and the instruments would work true. And so what are we talking about? When we're confused, we're worried about it sometimes. You just got to go a little higher, beloved. You get the illustration. You get that. You got to go a little higher. And when we rejoice in the Lord, that's what happens. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let me give you a, well, I'll tell you what. I think, I think I'm think i going to give you one more thing. and uh, And then we're going to go. But I want you to see, look with me in verse 5. Notice what that says. So we're talking about rejoicing in the Lord. That's the very first thing that you got to learn to do is learn how to give thanks and be grateful and praise the Lord even in your, even in your difficult times. Look, look, look with me. Turn right and look at 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians and look at chapter 5. Look at verse 18. I know you know the verse. Notice what it says. It says, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks. So that circumstance that you can't control, that situation that's outside of your reach, God says, in everything You and I are to give thanks. Now, I don't have to be grateful for every bad thing that happens. But the meaning here is that in that situation where I'm at, I can find something for which to be thankful, something for which I can rejoice, and something that will help elevate my thoughts and my disposition away from what's happening. Now, I'm going to need you to come back next week so you can get the rest of the story. That's what Paul Harvey would say, right? So let's start with rejoicing. Can you find something that you could be grateful for? Something that would make you happy and full of gladness. Man, if your kids have been saved, do you know that's something that money cannot buy? if your children are in church these are things for which to be grateful something that money cannot buy hey if the bills are paid shout her out amen hey there's always something for which you and i can be grateful you might have to think about it a little bit but uh but having a good attitude of gratitude is always the right choice to make. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Amen. We're going to stop right there because the next one is just too good just to give you a little bit and then take it away from you. I just can't do that, all right? So let's pray one more time. Father, I so thank you for my church family, dear God, and I pray that we may learn learn to do these things that we can when we think about you Lord really, there is none like unto thee there is none to be compared unto thee Or the Old Testament prophet said there is none beside thee there is none else and Lord you are our father and you are our high priest Lord Jesus we have the best of both worlds the one in which we live and the one in which we will go to and uh, nothing has taken you by surprise nothing has been outside of your sight what you've allowed in our lives god i know that you're using it for a purpose for a reason i may not understand it right now but i trust you and when i can't see your hand father When they can't see your hand, I pray they would learn to trust your heart and be grateful. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.